Welcome to Misfits on Vinyl. My name is Spencer Straker. I'm an actor, comedian, and one of your hosts. My name is Aaron Walsh. I am also one of your hosts. Aaron's also an actor, and uh, he's not the only thespian on the podcast Ooh, today. Ooh, we have a uh, thespian. We do. We have a, we have a very special guest this episode. Uh, we have a comedian, actor, writer, and podcaster, Forrest Shaw. Please welcome Forrest to the show, everyone. Uh, Forrest, are you, you frozen? an actor? <laughs> Wait, what? Did you just call me an actor? I called you a thespian. Yeah, you're a thespian. <laughs> Oof, okay. <laughs> I mean, I would say that you were an actor. You were you were on legit. Yes, I have done some acting, things that is acting, but I would not say thespian, that's for sure. <laughs> it's okay for us. I also and, don't uh, identify as an actor and Spencer calls me one every single podcast. So, yeah. it's uh I I I feel your pain. I, I really just want everybody to call themselves an actor so mm. that it annoys actors more. Mm, nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, Forrest, uh, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Forrest is a comedian, a writer. Uh, he's written on The Jim Jeffries Show. Uh, he's a producer on The Connor Moore Show. He's also uh, a co-host on the podcast. I don't know about that with Jim Jeffries and The Merman Podcast. Uh Forrest, you before you uh, got into comedy, you were a marine biologist. Yes. What, what are you <laughs> going to say? What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, if you want to talk about that, please, please feel free. If anybody's listening, we had a bunch of technical difficulties. <laughs> we had so many technical difficulties. Because just like Forrest, I also am a marine biologist, so I do not have technical computer knowledge. Mm. Marines of Calgary. Um, yeah. So I was a Marine Belt. Yeah. For about fifth, I, I think it was like about 15 years. Fucking um, and, uh, I, I think it was in 2010 that I quit my day job, as they say. But prior to that, I was, yeah, doing stand up from around 2000. I started in like 2004 and then to 2010. That's where the overlap was. And, uh, you know, I was like, fuck manatees. They're, you know, they're fine. <laughs> What's the worst thing that's going to happen to them? Cut to this past year, the most of them have died Damn. in the history of that. So it's, it's all your fault, um, is what you're saying. That's what people have said. People write to me all the time. <laughs> I can help them, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's what I did for a living. And, um, and that was the thing. When I first started doing comedy, I tried to do a lot of science jokes. And when you first start doing comedy, you're not good at comedy. So mm. you, my, if I have any advice to people that are starting to do comedy, the first year, just stick to dick jokes. You're yeah. a woman vagina. <laughs> dick vagina jokes. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> because don't try and do jokes about overpopulation and climate change your first year. No one cares. You're not going <laughs> to. Um, I mean, although that is kind of funny because now I think that the thing that most people do when they're starting is try and lecture an audience, but you were trying to give them like a university lecture. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like a Ted talk. It's funny. Cause I have a, I joke, I joke now that I closed or I was like near the end of my last album. And I, I probably did when I was working with you. 
Spencer, and it, it's a climate change joke, but it's a, it's a climate change dick joke. So still stick with the dick jokes. Fuck me. God damn it. Forrest, I don't know if you can see that. Spencer just dumped his beer all over himself. I dumped my beer. My glass broke. My stupid fucking record bug shattered. And I just poured beer all over my goddamn uh, uh, What a hot start for the day. Um, Fuck me. Forrest, I was going to ask you a little bit about... Out, uh, Podcast is going great. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. First guest and everything has gone wrong. Yeah, I wouldn't expect any different from us anyway. So it's not... Uh, this is not new. But uh, Forrest, I was going to ask, uh, what was your first concert you went to uh, when, you were, when you were a child? Yeah, I... I, you know, it, it's one of two. I'm not sure. They, they were both in the orange bowl. Nice. The orange bowl in Miami, Florida. I grew up in Miami, Florida and it, it doesn't even exist anymore. The orange bowl, they tore it down and now it's the Miami Marlins baseball stadium, mm. but it was a historic stadium, the orange bowl. And so it was either the U2 Joshua tree tour, like the original tour back in the eighties. Nice. Or it was the Monsters of Rock Van Halen tour. They're very close together, Ooh. and I don't know if you have a researcher that can look that. So whichever one of those was first. But the, the, the U2 Joshua Tree tour, it was like, I think it was like Los Lobos and like Buckwheat Zydeco or something was opening for him. And I remember I was in high school, and, um, and uh, my mom was like, okay, I'm going to let you go to this concert. It's on a school night. So, you know, you're going to have to wake up early and go to school still, blah, 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 whatever. And I went and saw the, the show. And the next morning I woke up and I was just sick as shit. But I was really sick. But, of course, my mom didn't believe me. And she was just <laughs> like, live it. I'm never letting you go out of it. Um, and uh, I think she, like, dropped me off. Like, uh, um, I think I was probably, like, a freshman in high school. So I was probably, whatever age that is, like 15 or something. Yeah. Before. And so she dropped me off at my grandmother's like, you're staying here. I'm not leaving you at home. And then she came back and I had chicken pox. I was really sick. Oh, fuck. <laughs> like, she was like, really mad. <laughs> so I gave a lot of people chicken pox at the U2 show. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Which honestly might be the All best right. thing to happen at a U2 show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, look, that's a great album. Yeah, it, it, Joshua Tree, prior to Joshua Tree, I will have you will not uh, badmouth you too. I see. I, 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 grew, up, I, I grew up with... Bono wearing the colored sunglasses era, and he always kind of rubbed me yeah. the wrong way. You know, <laughs> say what you want about that, but if you listen to the Unforgettable Fire and even the Josh Tree, those are yeah, those I, are like, I do like Joshua that. Tree. That's fair. I Is mean, that the that's not the one with yeah. Sunday Bloody Sunday on it, right? That's their first album. That's that's even that album too. Yeah, where they performed at Red Rocks. That's what pretty much like catapulted them into like stardom. Was that Red Rocks concert? You know? Yeah. Um, Unforgettable Fire is basically a whole tribute to Martin Luther King. That entire album is basically the whole album. But it's like, it's killer songs. Yeah. Like, it's really good. Um, anyways, it's either that or the Monsters of Rock, which was headlined by Van Halen. But the opening act was Kingdom Come. I don't know if you're familiar with them. That's John Bonham's son, Jason Bonham. Oh, that's okay. That, yeah, yeah. From, you know, that, but it was his son's uh, band called Kingdom Come. And they sort of sounded like Led Zeppelin, whatever. They were the opening act. The second band was Metallica. Oh, Holy and shit. It was Metallica. Yeah. It was Metallica right as they were releasing Injustice for All off after Master of Puppets. And I didn't really know Metallica. My, my friends that took me to this because were like, this band's killer. And they were so good. I just met, they were the second of five bands of the day of Monsters of Rock. And I remember them being so good. And I was like, I don't, I wouldn't want to follow them. And it was Dokken. 
I don't know if you know, yeah. Dokken is like this 80s hair metal band. <laughs> and they just came out there. They must have been coming out the whole tour like, what the fuck? We got a phone. <laughs> like, they just came out like, hey, guys, it's Dokken. And, and the whole the whole crowd was just like, get the fuck out of here. Because <laughs> they're following Metallica. That was Metallica. Their intro is What's fucking that? spraying their hair with hairspray. <laughs> yeah, like. yeah, no. That's funny. It's- yeah, yeah. That was like in comedy terms, it was like there's like a there's like a headliner, there's like a, a headliner that does cruise ships that's been doing it for 25 years that's dead inside. And it's just like the up and coming comic that's just like, hey guys, uh yeah, we're Metallica, we're out here. We got a few songs we want to play for you, you know, like uh, we're just trying to make a few bucks here, you know. And they just came out and just ripped it so hard. And then um I think it was Scorpions after Dokken and then Van Halen with uh Sammy Hagar. That's pretty wicked. That would be fucking sick. Okay, so I have a question then that kind of follows up on this, uh, and this is for both of you. But but uh, Van Halen or Van Hagar? (laughs) Um, I mean, I like Van Halen better. I mean, I just 1984 is. I'm an old guy. I'm old. I'm 50 years old, man. I'm old. I'm I'm sorry to 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 ruin your podcast by having someone this old on your podcast, but I don't think you're ruining it. I think I've done a pretty good job so far. I think Spencer's kicked that off today. (laughs) Crash your computer, crashing beer glass, you know. But uh, yeah, Van Van Halen, 1984. That album to me was like when when I was young was huge, and then even Van Halen one and two. Those are those are just those are the those are the best. I think even though seeing Van Halen live was good, that that. By the way, seeing those two concerts, they were in the Orange Bowl, which is a, a football stadium, you know? Mm-hmm. I just thought that's how concerts were. Like, I didn't know you could go see them in, like, a theater, yeah. you know, <laughs> or even, like, in a coffee shop. I didn't even know that. Was- <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you started like, yeah, you like a, see them in football stadium. You sounded like, it sounds like you started on, like, a super high. Is that the best concert you've seen, those two, any of those two? Or is there one after you think of that would be the – you would say the best concert you've been to? No. I've, uh, man, it's – the last concert I've seen, it isn't the best, but it was it was killer. I saw the Doobie Brothers. Oh um, fuck yeah, that's sick. Uh, let's see, two months ago I saw them at the YouTube um, YouTube Theater, which is attached to the SoFi Stadium in LA. It's like a it's like I don't know how much it seats, but the theater attached to that brand new state of the art stadium. Um, and it was their it's their fiftieth anniversary tour with Michael McDonald. Oh fuck um, yeah, that's cool. It was killer. Like it was so good, like it was. Yeah, it's not maybe not the best I've ever seen, but that was a great concert. Um, best concert I've ever seen. I don't know. I I I'd have to think about that, but it depends. Like, am I on drugs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like every external what? doesn't matter. There's I'm sorry. No... What concert do you go to not on drugs? Yeah, that's, a, that's a good question. Um. I mean, I, I have, I'm getting, like I said, I'm getting older guys. I don't, I can't, but it's like, because <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I don't think see I, I've, I've, I would I, see I've been to EDM too. And I've seen some DJs really high that I'm like, that's amazing. You know, but you're like so high that you're just like, that's, there's different levels of high. There's like, I smoked a joint and watched the Doobie brothers. And then there's like, I've eaten a bunch of pills and snorted a bunch of stuff. And I'm watching a guy beat, like, you know, spin three different songs in the one, like Adam Freeland. I don't know if you know that is, but who's actually doing actually working. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing too. But I, I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah, fuck. I, I mean, uh, it's funny, though, because uh, uh, connection to a previous episode, Michael McDonald, the backing <laughs> vocalist of Christopher Cross's debut album. Sailing. Yeah. One of the best one of the best albums of all time. Yeah, he's got a he's got a crazy good voice. It stands he's out. Incredible voice. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, and it, 
Ride like the wind, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ride like the wind, sailing. Uh, 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 what was the other one? Well, there's a lot on yeah. that album. We actually we talked about it on that episode that we, there's a lot of good songs on that album, but they all sound exactly the same. Mm. Um, okay, so one thing I wanted to bring up because it's kind of no, funny. He can, still, he can still sing. I don't know how old he is, but he's old. Yeah, he's, he's in his seventies. And that 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 Doobie Brothers concert, he still can hit all the notes man he can still um like all the songs that i wanted him to sing they sang and he could still hit all the notes and he still said he's he doesn't even have like delicate fingers he's got like these sausage fingers <laughs> they look like kind of just banging away on the keyboard and he's like ah, like he's crushing it the whole Doobie Brothers cut. They, they're awesome. It's wicked. Well, it's it's so funny because like uh, speaking of old people, like the one of the best concerts I ever saw was Hall and Oates uh, at the uh, what what is now yeah. the Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, but used to be Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, that was honest to god one of the best concerts I've ever seen, and they were able to hit all their their notes still, which was oh so yeah, fucking yeah. good. I also spent $10 to see that concert and got upgraded when I got there because nobody else was going to see Hall and Oates. And so then I was like, I was like third row from the front and I was like, this is the best night of my life. <laughs> yeah. I, look, Doobie Brothers, is that last one was up there. There's this artist, Ben Howard, that I'm really into. He's a guitarist, singer, songwriter. Yeah. I saw him at the Greek Theater and that was pretty next level. Um, but I don't know if people know him. He was really good. Um, I saw... Um, the killers at staples Ooh. which was i'm not even i like the killers but i'm not that into them i went because we had an in to go and it was pretty they're pretty good live I, I you know um so but i don't know I, I i went to a lot of different festivals you know and i think i've seen some pretty killer acts within those festivals you know yeah, I was going to say, um, there's there's uh, uh, something that I thought was really funny. So at Folk Fest this year, I was standing like right uh, close to the stage. When Kevin Morby was on, there was a guy standing in front of me that had a Lollapalooza 92 shirt on. <laughs> and so I took a picture of it, and I posted it to Instagram, and I said, this man has lived, laughed, and loved with the best of them. And Forrest responded and was like, hey, watch your tongue. I was at that Lollapalooza. So, <laughs> so what the fuck was that Lollapalooza like? Because that would have been the second one, right? Yeah, that was the second one. I was at the one in Miami. I'm from Miami, Florida, so I was at the one in Miami. Um, and that was, I think Pearl Jam was like the opener in that one. Like, I don't fuck. think they, I think they just released 10, I want to say. Or like it was just, a, maybe it was like big, but they were already booked as the first or second act, you know, for the main stage. Um, but I, maybe they were a second act, but I remember we did not have tickets. And so we did, we just like lingered around. It's at Bayfront park in Miami. And so we were like lingering around figuring out how we're going to get in. Cause you could, a lot of people were swimming in cause it's like right on the bay and you could like swim <laughs> and like climb up, wall, get cut up by barnacles and shit and get in there again. We were on drugs, but uh, I think like acid or something, but there was part of the fence during literally it was the beginning of Pearl Jam set. And I want to say even flow was the first song. So it was like a video almost like, like part of the section of the fence collapsed and all these people started rushing in and we just rushed in by the fence. So it was probably like 40 of them just ran in and they don't, you know, it's such a mess in there that they, that by, once we got by, they stopped everybody else. And I don't even think they chased us. I think they were just like, whatever, those people are in, you know? Um, and, I, I don't think we would be able to get in and out or get anywhere. So we had to kind of just stay in there and like do, do our thing. And um, 
but it was killer. Like, cause I remember it was like, was it ministry there too? Ministry was there. Uh, Soundgarden was there. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Ice Cube. Yeah, it was killer because the setting there reminded me is killer too. Like I said, it's right on the bay. So it was like right on the water. Um, this really killer setting. And so the sun setting behind that, I remember the sun was setting during ministry set and they, you know, ministry has like, you know, 85 guitars and 25 bass players. And <laughs> they have like skeletons, like on like wheels flying across the stage and like weird light is just like, and it's like, and I'm sure we, again, we're on a lot of drugs. And, um, <laughs> and uh, it was, it was just killer. That was good. I went, we went to that one and we went to the one the next year we bought tickets for that. We drove up to Orlando, which I think was, like Primus and Tool and nice. uh, maybe Alice in Chains and stuff. We went to that. Yeah. We actually bought tickets for that. But it was killer. And then, but the one in in 92, I remember it was like, we partied hard. We stayed the whole day. And then I went home. And I think the next day, my mom woke me up like four hours after I went to sleep for three hours. And she goes, hey, there's a hurricane coming. You have to prepare. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? It was Hurricane Andrew, which is a massive hurricane in the history of hurricanes. If you look it up, it, it, it's, it destroyed South Florida. So I had to like wake up and board up the house and like, <laughs> shit to other relatives and stuff. That fucking sucks a lot. What's, what's the, okay. Yeah. So this is, this is a question then. What's the worst thing you've had to do hungover? Oh fuck. I remember when I was living in Toronto, um, we had took, some ecstasy. Yeah, we did ecstasy and, and, and MemDMA. <laughs> and I was a uh, broke student at the time, and I was doing like yard work for this guy for like fifty bucks cash, and he wanted me to come rake his leaves. I did such a bad job; he paid me to go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, you can go home. He's like, he's like, here's fifty bucks. Go home. <laughs> Yeah, no, How do you do a, a bad job raking leaves? Raking leaves, <laughs> and I had to power wash his deck, and I was like fucking out you of it. Roll I was around so in miserable. your own shit. I mean, it's either you're raking them or you don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I wasn't going fast enough because I was there for like four hours, and he was like, "I'll give you fifty bucks if you leave," and I was like, "Okay." It's like that's fine. <laughs> so I went home. I'm like, you know what? That that wasn't bad. <laughs> Thought I did okay. Wow. Fuck, I think I think for it, me it was when I was like I was fourteen and I woke up. I was still drunk, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, I was at a rodeo. And then I was I was the one that had to drive because everyone else was too hungover. Uh, so I was driving illegally and also under the influence. Mm, that's that's a good thing to admit to the public. That uh, well, podcast, you know what? Yeah. Statue of limitations. That was a long time ago. <laughs> I uh, oh, one time I sold vacuums too, pretty hungover. That was pretty shitty too. I used to be a sample guy at Costco for us when I was in my teenage years, and they had me selling Dysons one day, and I was uh, incredibly hungover. That was a fun day too. I sold like four vacuums. Well, I, though, so. I, this is not something I had to do, but many, many, many times I took ecstasy. I would go out for Friday, Saturday night, do ecstasy, and then Sunday. I would meet up with my friends. We had a Sunday basketball (laughs) (laughs) that was like, I don't know, 15, 16 of us that, you know, we'd rotate teams of five and, and we play outdoors in Florida. Just give you an idea. (laughs) I imagine sweaty ball sacks. Yeah. Many times still like straight off ecstasy binge for two days. (laughs) I would just play stuff like now i think about it and my heart wants to explode just sitting here thinking about it like just like just the sweating and i'm and in my brain i was like this is a good way to get the toxins out you get it but i remember just like wanting to die during that i'm like in my brain i'm like this is good like 
Like this is some meathead philosophy, right? You get out there, you sweat it out, you know, you, you get some, uh, some H2H. What is it? There's a serotonin booster. Five, five, five HTP. Yeah. H, yeah. HTP. It pops that 18 of those. You're good to go to work on Monday. Let's shoot some hoops. Like, what's, what's I was going to ask you if you got dialed in, but it doesn't sound like you were. <laughs> he said like you were bricking most of your shots. Uh, it's not good. No. <laughs> I'm waiting to drop that at any moment. It could be in this podcast, so. Okay, so uh, yeah, well, one one last question because Aaron wanted to know what your honest opinion of Calgary was. Yeah, I was curious. Opinion like how? What do you mean? Like what did like, you when you were here? When you were here, let's compare it to Miami of all places. <laughs> compared to Miami, what do you very think of Calgary, similar, Alberta? Very similar. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of plastic surgery in Calgary. Nice, um, true. Lots of good fillers. Um, well, you know, you got that burger place, whatever that place was. Peter's Drive-In. Nice. Yeah, no. Uh, the, burgers, the burgers suck there. <laughs> yeah, they're fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. That just came up again on our podcast. Like on on the I don't know about that podcast. It came up again some, for some reason. I don't remember why. <laughs> it's like the sauciest, shittiest burgers you can get. <laughs> um, I don't – look, I don't – I. you know what? I was always – every time I'm – I've – told someone I've gone to Calgary because that wasn't the first time I've been to Calgary. I did, I did the laugh shot. It's a laugh shop, right? The comic, yeah. the comedy. Yeah. I did that one time and I've been to Calgary another time with Jim. And every time I tell people, they're like, Oh, did you go to Banff? And I go, I've not been to Banff. So I'm like, I'm sure Banff is beautiful. Do you guys claim Banff as part of well, Calgary that's, or that's, that's too far away? That's the thing. Pe- people say when you go to Calgary, like, did you go somewhere outside of Calgary is the highlight, which is kind yeah. of the, the funny thing. is like, did you go an hour away somewhere else to see the mountains? But I will say this. <laughs> it's funny because Edmonton always uses that as an excuse. And they're like, Edmonton always goes, yeah, well, we have Jasper, but Jasper's like five hours away from Edmonton, <laughs> whereas true. Banff is literally 40 minutes away yeah, from Calgary. <laughs> people, yeah, yeah. People, 40 minutes is like a suburb. So yeah. Thank you. Here, and I've only, I've only been to Calgary in the winter, so oh. I don't know. Maybe I should come there in the summer. But um, so I haven't really explored it. You know, I'm just like staying inside. I will say this. When I was there, I, 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 I thought I had diverticulitis, um, which is like a thing in your intestines you if you can't eat seeds or nuts and it gets stuck in their infection this is an old man podcast more shit <laughs> but um, um this is something positive thing for calgary and i was told by um another comic that was with us tommy campbell who's canadian he goes hey you should go to a clinic i said all right so i go to a clinic somewhere in calgary i don't know i walk in and they were like uh oh you're from america i go yeah they're like you're gonna have to pay cash i go okay how much is it and then they told me and it was like 25 Canadian dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, doctor? I was like, okay, that's like my copay in the United States. So I was like, All right, um, I'll do that. And then they said, and if you have to buy any, uh, any medication, it's out of pocket too. I'm like, great. And I think I got out of there for like, it was like 45 Canadian dollars. So, you know, when conversion to us, it was like free. So it was just like, <laughs> I was like, okay. So, Love your healthcare system. Nice. You know, nice. Like, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll definitely <laughs> take that. Only time I've ever used. Also, I will say this too: uh, the the best piece of artwork Forrest has ever seen was in Calgary. So at the ship and anchor. At the right? ship and anchor. Oh my god! Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, the fucking captain. <laughs> I okay. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. I have tried so hard to get that fucking painting for you because uh, at one point they were interviewing me for a job, and I was like. 
hey, uh, if I work here, can I get the captain? And they were like, absolutely not. <laughs> Everybody wants the captain. Nobody can get the captain. Yeah, that's a good way not to get hired. Yeah, so I, think, yeah I feel like I that's... Found, I, I think I have yeah, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, uh, we should probably get into the album. So every episode on Mitzvits on Vinyl, yeah. we uh, review an album. It's usually either one of our favorites or one that is very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this week, uh, we uh, when we have guests on, we're going to have the guests pick a pick an album. We had Brittany Lysing on. She picked uh, Alanis Morissette's uh, Jagged Little Pill. Mm-hmm. And the album that Forrest picked is Jane's Addiction Ritual Delo Habitual. Uh, so... I have a question for you. What drew you to this album? Um, for this podcast or in general? Uh, just in general. Well, again, I'm old, and this was popular when I was in college. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> like when you're in college, you. Actually, um, I don't know. Um, I don't. Are college radio stations still a thing? Is that like? Yeah, still there, there's a couple here in town. Um. I used to work at one. There you go. When I I went to college, I, yeah, I went to college in Ithaca College, and WICB was the um, college radio station, and I used to listen to it all the time because I really I really liked listening to it. And this album, um, I think it came out. I don't remember what year it came. I'm sure you guys did the research, but uh, I think it came out my freshman or sophomore year in college. And so, um, like, been caught stealing and stopped. Like, those were played a lot on on the radio along I, the other albums that were really big was like uh the stone roses um debut album which i really like because it was played on there a lot and i even got for a little while during the summer there was a reggae there was a reggae uh like um reggae show on the on the radio station and the person that was running it was gone for summer and me and my friend got to actually host it on the radio i didn't know how to do anything so my friend knew how to do all the technical shit and i just like handed him reggae music and shit and we did that so, <laughs> that's awesome WICB. <laughs> so okay so uh all right i guess we should probably get into the uh into the the nitty-gritty of the album the 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 well, what what it's about what mm-hmm. the history of it uh all right so it was and released... i just saw them okay wherever that fits in i just saw them live like not too long ago no, so. nice. who did wait what I saw Jane's Addiction not too long ago. Oh, wow. shit, really? Yeah, I saw them at... you want me to tell you now? I yeah, mean, go yeah, 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 go on. I, I literally... It, it's a festival in Redondo Beach, and it's called Beach Life. I think it's called Beach Life. And it's actually a pretty good festival. Redondo is, like, stuck in this little armpit below, in between, like, Long Beach and Los Angeles pop, pop, uh, proper. And they have this music festival each year. I think the lineup this year is okay, but usually the lineup is banging. And um, Jane's Addiction was the headliner on one of the days. And I was like, well, I'm going to that. Like, because I haven't seen them. I, I, I think I'd, see, I'd seen them a long time before. So long before it was like Flea was playing bass for them on whatever tour that was. But um, and uh, it was again in that Bayfront Park, that same place. But it was, everybody was there. I don't think um, the bassist, why can't I remember his name, wasn't there. Uh, um, Eric Avery. But yeah, I don't, I don't I, he was not there. If I remember correctly, but Perkins and Navarro and Farrell were there. So wow, um, and they, they headlined it and they closed out the whole night and it was killer, man. I mean, Farrell's voice is just his voice has never been good, and he's always using whatever effect he's doing. The yeah, well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but it's still, it's still fun, you know. Like 
But man, it was worth it alone just to see the song, song stop. Just to see stop live was so good. I mean, Navarro is still Navarro's underrated to me. I mean, I don't think people think he's a bad guitarist, and no one's ever going to say that. But I feel like he's underrated in the fact that what he's actually doing and has done and stuff. Like he's killer, you know. And yeah, it kind of feels to me great. like around that time, uh, everyone was uh, losing their shit over Slash a lot yeah. more than Dave Navarro. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I Slash is great, but it's like, yeah. But it's two different styles completely. It's like it's like uh, you know comparing fucking Brian Regan to Louis C.K. You know, it's like two completely yeah. different styles. They're both great at it, but totally different. Yeah. I was gonna say too. I think his stint with the Chili Peppers, people he get he got a lot of hate for his stint with the Chili Peppers, just because everyone loves for Shanty. So I think that also kind <laughs> of uh, affects a little bit when people think back on him. And, so. and he also was a part of the worst Chili Peppers album yeah, ever. Yeah. So that also doesn't help. Like yeah. one hot minute is for sure the worst <laughs> Chili Peppers album, and that says a lot when when they uh, uh, released uh, uh, what's it called, fucking. Uh, this year, in, yeah, their new one. I don't know the yeah. name of the new one, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. I think he gets a little bit of hate, and he's a bit tainted because of that little section of his career. Yeah, I guess- but I mean, this album we're gonna talk about, and and even like um, nothing shocking and stuff is like, in my opinion, so good. Like it's oh, just yeah. like, I can out. You're gonna overlook that he did this. <laughs> you know, it's like, and it's, and there's so, and especially. Especially on Ritual, this album, there's so much variation on what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. there's like so much. They just, it was almost like they were like, hey, let's uh, let's just experiment and try and do as many different types of music we can. Stuff. And I believe it was this album. When this album came out, and maybe you guys are, I don't want to step on research you've done stuff. I remember seeing a quote by Jerry Garcia of The Grateful Dead, mm-hmm. and he was talking about his respect for Jane's addiction and their music and this album in particular, I think it was. And like that, this was one of his favorite groups. Jerry Garcia. Yeah. That's you know what I'm saying? Like that just, Alice Cooper yeah. also said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Alice Cooper put this as one of his top eight albums of all time. Yeah. It's pretty wicked. Which is fucking yeah. crazy for yeah, Alice incredible. Cooper to be like, yeah, this is one of the best. Well, I mean, fully, fully being fully transparent on my end. I heard the name Jane's addiction before. Never really listened to their music. Never came across of it never really uh you know spent time listening to it so this was a nice little surprise for me i was surprised by the album i wasn't really sure of their genre or like i said it wasn't familiar and i actually really enjoyed it yeah and then it's like um the i mean obviously the second half of this is like so like the second half of this album and i know i guess we're gonna get into it. i don't know how this podcast is supposed to work if i can talk about it. but it's like <laughs> the first half of the album and then the second half is just like this whole other you know, I'm trying to look up the Jerry Garcia thing if there's a quote, but I know he said something about how he loves Jane's addiction. And that I remember reading that at the time, be like, what the fuck? Jane, Jerry Garcia. That would have been right before he died because he, he died in the mid 90s and this came out right at the early. So that would have been right before he died. He probably said something yeah. on those lines. Yeah. Yeah. I saw them. I saw them. Well, then, okay, that's really, pretty fucking cool. <laughs> I'm I'm going to see Dead and Company in June in in New York with John Mayer. Um, I'm a big fan of, of the Dead, so I'm with Jerry Garcia in, in Hamilton in Canada. Oh, that's so. oh cool. fuck, yeah. that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into the first part of uh, of the album here. So it was released on August 21st, 1990, by Warner Brothers. Uh, it's the second studio album, the third after their live self-title, which was their first album. 
and the last album before their initial breakup in 1991. Uh, getting into the genre for people who haven't heard it before, it's a funk metal slash alt metal. It's It's got a few different uh, genres that kind of go together to make it uh, what it is. And something really cool about this album, it was co-produced by Dave Jordan, uh, who was like a, an alt and punk and metal producer. And he had previously worked with the Rolling Stones, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Talking Heads, 5440, and Social Distortion. Oh, that's cool. And Music Radar stated that his albums went against the prevailing sonic qualities of the day, dominated as it was by hair metal bands, and that he had an important hand in shaping the genre-defining sounds. Uh, which is pretty cool. Like, I honestly, like we've talked about it a lot on this podcast. Like, a good producer can actually make a huge difference on an album, uh, especially for something that is going into a different genre. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first half of the album, as as Forrest mentioned, the first half of the album is unrelated uh, rock songs, uh, which are like you know that's where Stop and Been Caught Stealing are in, and then the last four songs of the album are actually. In memory of uh, Perry Farrell's deceased girlfriend, Zylo Blue, who had died of a heroin overdose in 87 at the age of 19. Wow. So, very heavy mm-hmm. second half of the album. Mm-hmm. Long songs, too, on the yeah. second half of the album. Yeah. Yeah, the second half of the album has some very long songs. Is it, is it three days? Or is three it... days is like yeah, 10 yeah. minutes long. Yeah, three days is 10 minutes long. One thing about that song, in, uh, specifically Guitar World, named that Navarro solo in that, in the top 100 guitar solos of all time uh it's pretty fucking weird yeah yeah that's he insane. shreds on that song yeah yeah no and that is basically his song yeah like that is 100 percent just dave navarro's song and everyone is there um so and then there's a, there's a lot of the you know bring down up the thing there's a lot of that epic sweeping like just mm-hmm. it's really cool yeah yeah it, it's it, it's got quite a bit of range in it like it it it, it hits yeah. a lot of different tones, which is really cool yeah. too. For it to sound as cohesive as it does. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so three days and then she did. Uh, they have like a prog rock influence, and then of course, uh, it has a prominent violin throughout, which is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, can compared Eventually to the rest, it is definitely like prog rock thing. Yeah, because it has that real big like thrust where it like comes in and out. But yeah. 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 It, it, it feels like you're you're getting a wave of sound throughout the yeah. whole song. Um, yeah. So, something super interesting about Of Course. Uh, Eric Avery actually refused to play the bass on that song uh, because he resented being told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so, recording engineer and guitar tech, okay. Ronnie S. Champagne, yeah. uh, he filled in. And uh, also, he would later confess that Farrell had a tendency to dictate the other members' parts during the recording of the album. <laughs> So uh, Avery later said he did regret not playing that one song. Um, Then she did also uh, chronicles uh, Farrell's mother's suicide when he was four years old. And what's super interesting about this is Dave Navarro said it was probably one of the reasons that they were brought together. Mm. There was parts, uh, there was times that Dave Navarro said that they had distinct memories of being on stage together. And before they would play that song, uh, Perry would come up to him and be like, Hey, let's do this for our moms. Yeah. And then they'd have this like super emotional live performance of the song. Yeah, we didn't uh, we haven't mentioned yeah. it yet, but Dave, Dave Navarro's mom and aunt were was murdered in the early 80s uh, when he was a kid. And he said it fucked him up for a really Dave long Navarro, time. Which... Dave Navarro's mom was murdered? Yeah. Yeah, in like 1981 or 82. 
And of course, it'd fuck him up for a long time. He said it fucked him up for a long time. But yeah, she got murdered. Um, and that's where I guess they have that connection. Like, I mean, the one one guy's mom killed himself, and his mom. mom was murdered. It's pretty dark. Like, that's a yeah. And like the the fact that on stage they were saying, "Oh, let's do it for our moms," is you know, there's it, obviously a deep connection there. Yeah, it's 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 dark, yeah. but it's also oddly touching too. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a little like, wholesome. It's like a little oh, wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> Like let's have yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, that's cool though. Let's have this really. I mean, it's not cool, but it's like yeah. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's not cool that their moms died, yeah. but it's cool that they trauma bonded. Yeah, oh, that's, 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 cool. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, tra- they trauma bonded over it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so something really interesting about the album is there's actually two different album arts available. There's one that's a very simple white background with black text on it. It just says Jane's addiction. And that yeah. was the clean cover. Uh, but Jane's Addiction, it's really funny because it's written in like a Western style font. <laughs> like It looks like something that would have yeah. been in like a John Wayne movie in the 60s. Nice. Uh, and then the and other-, the other one with the like with the Merkin. It's not a Merkin. It's just like a, with the bush and stuff, right? Yeah. yeah and the titties out. Yeah. Yeah. There's 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 uh, there's lots of boobs and bush. Uh, and uh, there's a wiener on that one, nice. too. Yeah. Um, and Checking it, all the yeah, boxes. Yes. it also has the First Amendment written. Uh, on the cover <laughs> really nice. yeah nice. which is very hard to find but you can find it there um what's yeah. uh you're, all, you're looking at all the bush and dick on there like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> your eyes are getting a little distracted you're not oh. looking for words and and also this was 1990 you had to use whatever you could to jerk off that's yeah, true <laughs> you gotta jerk off to this weird drawn bush yeah no i don't know how many people jerked off to the album cover, i mean but okay but like <laughs> i'd say there's one or two <laughs> there's one in this room okay yeah. let's just be honest here uh all right so uh <laughs> all of the tracks were written by all of the band members um and dave navarro has very little memory of creating this album because yeah. he was super deep into heroin addiction at the time uh he actually got sober just before they started touring this album mm. but when the album came out and they were on a stupid long tour, uh, Perry Farrell recalled that the 13-month tour behind Ritual was half the reason we wound up being unable to stand one another. The other half is that I am an intolerable narcissist who can't get along with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at least at least yeah, he's honest. Sure. Yeah, yeah, at least he's honest with himself. I like the self-awareness that yeah. he's like, hey, hey, I'm, I, I am the problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He had his Taylor Swift moment in like 1990. Yeah, yeah that's good. Uh, it's me. Uh, okay, so <laughs> uh, about the band. Uh, so we're going to get into the about the band here. Uh, formed in 1985 after vocalist uh, Perry Farrell's previous post-punk band, Psycom, began to dissolve. He met bassist Eric Avery, and they bonded over their appreciation of Joy Division, and they began practicing together. Uh, Avery's sister suggested her boyfriend, Stephen Perkins, for drumming after their first drummer blew off rehearsals. Their first drummer had been in uh, this like super crazy death metal band uh, before joining. And the death metal band, I forgot what they were called. I forgot to write this down, but they they're still going today. No, that's cool. They just have a completely different lineup basically every year. <laughs> uh, that's all death metal bands. I we did a death metal. We did like a metal episode, and I don't know about that. And um, we did it with... Um, Rob Dukes, who's an Exodus. He was a singer of Exodus. And then it was just going through all the singers of that band and the different people. Like, I was just learning, like, um, just how Metallica started. All these people, like, all it seems like all metal bands, they just like cycle through them. You know, <laughs> right, through Slayer. People, yeah. like, 
always in it. Like, it's just like all metal bands are just cycling through people constantly, you know? Which, you but, know what? Oh, by the way, uh, I think I mean, it was, um, Avery was not the basis at Beach Life. I think, I think he did, because they did a tour last year, James Addiction, where there were, it was them and Smashing Pumpkins. And they ended up in, the, they did, ended up at like the Hollywood Bowl. And I think Eric, I think Avery was back for that, but I believe it was um, Cheney. Chris Cheney was the basis. So it was, it was Dave Navarro, Stephen Perkins. Yeah. And Perry Farrell and Chris Cheney. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Because yeah, Eric Avery didn't rejoin until like a couple of months ago. Mm. Like it was, it was like it, he had, he had briefly rejoined in 2011. They did like one record together, but he didn't even tour it. And then they no. were like, what were he doing? What was he doing besides, was he doing other projects or? He was, uh, from what I found, he was not doing anything else. He was kind of, like, laying low, and he was working on, like, just fucking around with music, like, like on his own. Um, him yeah. and uh, Dave Jordan, the producer, they both kind of left the industry in the mid-'90s and then just, like, selectively worked on projects, mm. which I guess would kind of make yeah. sense if you've got, like, if you've got some residuals coming in. Uh, but, I mean, they didn't even really have that many residuals coming in because... Uh, uh, Perry Farrell made the band sign a deal that he would get 62% of all royalties coming in <laughs> and the rest had to divide the, uh, the final like 38% between the, the three of them. Oh, that's lovely. That's nice of him. Yeah. And it, it ended up being a wow. huge point of contention. Oh, no way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no way that that would cause an argument. I couldn't believe that would be an issue. <laughs> okay. So, uh, before... one guy getting 62% more per command. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're dumb enough to sign a thing, though. Like, fuck. Well, and 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 what it looked like, because uh, we're gonna get into it here, because uh, I have an exact quote about it. But apparently, uh, Dave Jordan showed up to the studio to record, and three of the members were outside, and they were like, "Yeah, fuck it, I quit." And he was like, "Wait, what? You can't quit. You literally just signed a record deal. This is that's not how this works." You know, it kind of makes sense why Dave Navarro does Ink Masters now. He's got a fucking he's got, he's got some income to catch up on nowadays. <laughs> catch that Spike TV check. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, Gary Farrell's like crushing it because he had all these side projects that did well too. Porno for Pyros did well. And- yeah. And, yeah. and and he was also in uh, he was also in the Peppers for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he did. He's doing okay. Yeah, I say he's he's done already. He Despite was... having the least amount of talent of all of them, I mean, he's a good frontman, but he's not like his voice is good or anything. You know, he writes good lyrics, but yeah, that was that like was actually going to be my, is... my my criticism for the album is that he's a little like a the tone of his voice is you know it's it's good I guess for rock music, but I can't say it's anything like super special. Um, like the song structures, the songs were great, they were oh. catchy, but the voice itself was a little. Uh, an earworm in the wrong way. I guess. If you saw them live now, and knowing that now that you like aren't into them, you would be like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, I love James Addiction, and I when I went when I saw them, I guess it was in 2021, so it was like almost just like a year and a half ago. I remember just being like, "Okay, well, we'll we'll get through this with your voice, you know," because uh, <laughs> the music was still good. Yeah, you were you were there on the stage with um. Yeah, I was there with a couple of people that had never weren't into him at all. Like one of them was my ex girlfriend. We weren't even dating at the time. We we're just she came with one of her friends and um, and then uh, and uh, Jim's you know Jack Hackett. He's, you know, yeah, Jack yeah. Hackett from the podcast. So yeah, he's coming on the pod he was there too. 
Oh yeah, he was out. He was. He saw him too. And I think they enjoyed him, but I think they were also like, "Yeah, his voice isn't that good." I'm like, "Yeah, he's old." <laughs> <laughs> But I remember Bianca, who's my ex, and she's she's a big she's into a lot of genres, but she really likes metal too. But I remember after they played "Stop," the song "Stop." I remember after that song was over, she was just like, "Yeah, it was worth it just for that song. Like it was that good live." Mm. She was like, "Because there's so many stops and goes and this and thing and bring down and then push and like and they like nailed it live. Like it was so good. And I think just seeing that live, she was like, "Yeah, that that was worth it just to see that." I was like, "Yeah, that song's epic. Like that's you know." But um, yeah, his yeah, his his is it's like that's how rock is. I mean, there's there's there. I mean, there's only so many Chris Cornells where you're like, yeah, yeah. his voice is amazing. You know, the rest of them you're just like, yeah, it's good for that. You know. <laughs> now I have a question. Do you think that if Kurt Cobain had not died, that we would still have like the that the general public would still be all over his shit? Mm, I think it. No, I think it adds to the you know the mystique of somebody if somebody dies young and they're an artist like you know it kind of adds to the legend of them um I, i'm sure like like most old rock stars he probably would say something along the lines that would get him canceled or fucking done in <laughs> yeah like i mean imagine if him and courtney love got, div- like, yeah. got divorced how terrible that would be in the press and oh shit. god yeah so i feel like he would he would have a hiccup or two along the way or the him and courtney love reality tv show <laughs> yeah like the osbournes <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I mean, there's certain things though too, like the, um, like the uh, the unplugged. I mean, if you just look at, you know, even just the covers they did there, and then even the last song, the like the where were you the, the song that is clearly about Courtney Love that he was like pissed off because she was like fucking around and stuff. Like he just decided they didn't even practice that song. Just decided to yeah. do that. Like he, there, there's there's definitely talent that it's not like this isn't like, you know, but I will tell you this about, about Kirk Cobain. There's, um, he still does it. This guy, Josh Adam Myers, he's a comedian, but he, he does a thing called the goddamn comedy jam. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. Yeah. yeah. It's like comedians do a little, stuff and then they sing a song with a band. So I got to do it years ago and I chose smells like teen spirit. And, um, I like Nirvana a lot, but the reason I chose it is one, I had a story about it. But also, um, at the time, they wanted you to do a story about the song, and then do it. Now they just have you do a set and sing it, you know. But, um, and I was, I was low on the bill. Like it was like I think Jim might have been the middle. I think Jim Jeffries on the bill. Um, David Keckner was on the bill. Um, I don't remember who else. It, it might have been like uh, it was. It was like big names like that. Like you know. And so nobody came to see me. So in my in my head, I was like. I have to pick a song that the crowds are like, this song's killer, you know? But while they were all picking songs that they just liked, you know, because they're famous and people want to see them, you know? <laughs> so um, I, I chose Smells Like Teen Spirit and I like wore a wig and glasses. I couldn't find like the vest. So I wore like an actual like plaid thing, even though Kirk Cobain didn't wear that. It's just associated with grunge, you know? And I had an inflatable guitar and I did it. It is not easy to sing that song. Like, even though you're like, his voice isn't great, Try and just when you're by yourself sometimes, try and sing Smells Like Teen Spirit sometimes. It's not easy. It's not yeah, easy I mean, to yell sing. Like there's a I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a talent I, 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 get, there. I like, definitely <laughs> wasn't saying his voice wasn't good. I think over time it probably would be because he does that gruff thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like we were talking about artists seeing them past their heyday. I saw Rod Stewart after he had his vocal surgery <laughs> <laughs> and the whole raspy thing was gone. He just was like an old man singing, which, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
I saw uh, I saw Elton John like four years ago, right before COVID, and I was like, supposed farewell tour. Now it's done, but he still had the middle fine, but you know the to- the top ends. You're like, yeah, it's an old man, you know. You're like, oh, yeah, this, this yeah, isn't yeah, what yeah, I paid yeah. for. I didn't. Yeah, I fucking I saw Motley Crue you know. on their uh like three farewell tours ago farewell tour, <laughs> uh, and uh, Vince yeah. Neil was so fucking out of shape. And so out of breath that at one point during Dr. Feelgood, Nikki Six just had to pick up the vocals because <laughs> Vince Neil's just like wheezing his fucking way through the song. He's like, he's the one they call Dr. Feelgood. He's the one that makes kill. <laughs> and so then Nikki Six picks it up and he's like, he's the one they call Dr. Feelgood. He's the one that makes you feel. And I'm like, I can tell that he can't sing, but he's doing a better job than Vince Neil was. Jesus Christ. Um, okay. So back to Jane's addiction here. Uh, so when they formed, they got really big headlining clubs around Los Angeles. They were in the mid-80s Los Angeles scene. But because they were so different from, like, the glam rock that was happening at the time, there was a huge following that developed around them. They signed with Warner Brothers, but they wanted to release their debut on an independent... Just getting back to that, by the way, when they started out, I remember, like, a lot of my friends that were surfers were into them because they. I think they were a lot of... They surfed a lot. A lot of their videos had surfing on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was funny because they were the first band and there were other bands that did this surely like in the seventies and eighties and sixties and stuff, but they were the first of the modern bands that really embraced this like androgyny kind of thing to me, you know, like where, it, and, and bisexuality kind of thing too, because like you kind of didn't know and it, there was no internet then either. So it was kind of like, what's going on? Are they like, are they bisexual are they gay are they this why are they kissing that guy like it was they had this real kind of weird alert to me. and so it was very different from the la scene like you were talking about which was like this glam rock and it was like guns and roses and all this shit and they were like this they were clearly talented but they were very weird like quote-unquote weird they were like what is this what is this band all about and i remember my friends that were surfers were conflicted by them because they really liked the music and they're like i don't know what they're about though man they're kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but the music. Right? I'm like, yeah, well, just enjoy the music. They're well, doing like, their thing. You know? They definitely were weird. Like, who, who, who back then would have been like my first album that we're releasing as a band needs to be a live album that nobody knows the lyrics <laughs> to. Like, you're you're literally just like, we're gonna go out and just do a live yeah. album. Yeah, no, and they were they were wearing a lot of mesh and netted. Yeah tops yeah yeah they're dave navarro is like i guess known for his net his like net tops looks like he's like a like a fisherman <laughs> he's got his fisherman top on yeah 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 oh by the way let's not forget from their first album jane says mm-hmm. yeah still they close with it they close with it when i saw them so they just they basically gather around stephen perkins on some steel drums we're at like a margarita villa so you know and they just get a, a acoustic guitar out and they just sing a song and then the whole crowd there was about you know whatever twenty thousand people there just singing with them mm. and you're like this is a hit this was like their first hit which was basically like a, a folk song almost you yeah know? i think it, i think it's still that, their, like, their biggest song on spotify it's the first one that came up on their list. I think it's the, it might be their most streamed song on Spotify. Yeah, um, certainly, certainly. Because women, women, men of all ilks, whether you're into like metal or all, 
even if you're not into metal, you're like, oh yeah, I like that Jane Says song. There's steel drums. And I can have a, I can have a theory and listen to this song. You're like, Jane Says. You're like, <laughs> it's a great song, though. It's, very, it's a simple, simple, it's as simple as a song can be. When I saw them when Flea was with them, they that they got they they disappeared and then they showed up in the middle of a crowd just on a on a little postage stamp of a stage in the middle of the crowd with ding 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 I did because I, I read it on the Wikipedia. On the Wikipedia. I know. I know, but it's that between that song Jane says and Jane's addiction, I always assumed it was they knew a person named Jane and she died. I, I just assumed she died. It was a person they knew died. It was of heroin, I'm assuming. So it was actually this, this person who was uh, uh, Perry Farrell's roommate, whose name was Jane. And uh, Perry Farrell mm. and his girlfriend at the time were like, we should name the band uh after jane and so they were gonna call it jane's heroin addiction and then he figured that might be too on the nose so they called it jane's addiction (laughs) too many words too yeah yeah good good call also not as much not as much marketability yeah and i feel like if i was jane i'd be like a little upset that he outed me like that too i'd be like you know (laughs) keep it vague at least you know like why you gotta get into specifics so uh one thing that i think is super interesting there's a great version by the way i I think they're in a guitar center you know when they go into guitar center and play these bands there's one of the best versions of jane says i've seen is them in the guitar center don't you you can look that up on YouTube. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah it's really. A good song. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so back to the back to the album uh, or about the artist. Uh, okay, so uh, they actually signed for what was at the time the biggest record deal uh, that had ever been like ever biggest ever signing bonus was what mm. it was, and it was between two hundred and fifty and three hundred thousand dollars. Nice. And then they went, so they they signed this deal with Warner Brothers. And then they released their first album on Triple X Records, uh, not with Warner Brothers, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, okay, so, uh, yeah, during the recording sessions, Farrell wanted 62% of everything. Uh, that led to a fallout. And then uh, after this album, so we're, we're going forward in time now. After this album, they headlined and co-created the first Lollapalooza in 1991. Um, which is another reason why I wanted to do this one as uh, uh, a, an album with you since you had been to Lollapalooza. Uh, were you at the one in 91 as well? No. No? No, he's at the two after, right? Oh. I went to the one in 92 and I went to the one in 93. I did Damn. not go to the one in 91. But I, but I saw Jane's Addiction in that same park, Bayfront Park, that I just was mentioning the concert, um, with with flea was the bassist so i don't know what tour that was but i did not see them in lollapalooza i saw lollapalooza i guess it was two number two which is 92 right 91 was the first one right yeah yeah so i did not see that one i only saw the second and the third one well i think the i think the flea era would have been the late 90s i believe mid to late 90s yeah mid to late yeah 90s. And I, I was just, I was just by themselves in that same park i went and saw them yeah like i just cool. that, that that's the only time that times i've seen them i saw them on that tour, and then I saw them a, a year and a half ago. That's only two times I've seen them. All right. 
we're getting into uh, the end of uh, the pod here. We got a few few sections left. This one uh, is one of my favorites because it's notable tracks and singles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Been Caught Stealing. Uh, it was number one on U.S. Alt Airwaves. It won the MTV Alt Video of the Year in 91. And Alice Cooper picked it as one of his eight Desert Island songs. Nice. Um, yeah. Which, it's a fucking great song. I remember hearing it in tons of movies as a kid. Mm. Like, I, I think it was in yeah. My Name is Earl was, like, I think the first yeah. time that I heard it. <laughs> like, there was just a montage of Earl stealing shit with that. Uh, very on the nose. Uh, which, which, which it also has a, getting back to just how different other songs are, it, even though it's a rock song, it has kind of like a an interesting rhythm to it it's like mm-hmm. ding 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 it's almost like a <laughs> this is how you would dance to the song you know like <laughs> yeah. hey the uh the dogs kind of got like a me me guard. Guard. The, the dogs barking yeah it's a woo, 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 woo. <laughs> <laughs> i thought my neighbor's dog my neighbor's dog didn't shut the fuck up i thought my neighbor's dog was going off oh uh, well who let the dogs out <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> uh, but I into it too they have that woman speaking spanish oh yeah that's right uh, and then, okay, the other song, and and this one I think is kind of cool, uh, so Stop, we've talked about it a lot, but it was number one on the alt airwaves, and I learned about this song uh, in uh, 2005 from a mountain bike video called New World Disorder 6, uh, because there was a section that had Jeff Golovich, Jared Gatska, and Matt Brooks in it, and they were doing these, like, big air fucking tricks, Nice, and... Yeah. Uh, I just remember being so a blown away by what they were doing on bikes, but B it, the edit was just so good. So my recommendation for anybody out there is look up new world disorder six, go to about 30 minutes in it's on YouTube. You can find it. Mm. It's one of the best edits you can find in like a, an action sports nice. video. Um, all right. So reception of the album. So uh, the, commercially it peaked at number 19 on the billboard 200. Uh, one month after its mm-hmm. release, it had already sold 500,000 copies in the U.S., uh, and it ended up becoming two times platinum there. Uh, and furthermore, really? it was cr- That's good. I never knew. That's good. Super good. Like, mm-hmm. especially considering, like, now, like, uh, like Taylor Swift's last album was, like, a million in the first uh, month, yeah. which yeah compared to like she had the internet she already had all this fame and everything Mm. they did that without a lot of mtv play or like radio play or anything because they didn't really fit the vibe for a while Mm. there uh been caught stealing been caught stealing video was pretty popular i remember they were wearing the the stockings over their faces yeah yeah been caught stealing was the thing that changed it for them to get like a little bit more of the mtv appeal but yeah. it was also critically acclaimed. Uh, it had a 4.5 out of 5 on all music. Enemy gave it 9 out of 10. Q gave it 4 out of 5. Select gave it 5 out of 5. Uh, this quote nice. that I thought was really interesting from Select, it says, it, it all makes you realize how few bands actually bother to try and be any good, to play stuff that's inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Rolling yeah. Stone, on the other hand, Gave it two out of five stars. Ah, fuck them. Yeah. And, they suck, man. And then later on, they listed it as one of their 500 greatest albums of all time. That's that's something we've been learning is that <laughs> we've, been, we've been learning that Classic, the Rolling yeah. Stones are absolutely garbage. Like, yeah. the fucking magazine is terrible. 
Yeah, no. To be fair, though, they just that was a reviewer, and then the people that do the top five hundred is a group of other people. Yeah, but it, like, who would give that two out of five? Who's going to listen to that and give it two out of five? Like, honestly, did you just not listen to it? Like, <laughs> even if you're not into that type of music, you like just like what we've been talking about, just the just the difference in the the two sides of it, and the difference uh, and the different the songs, and like like just like that reviewer said, like they're really trying. Mm-hmm. They were like definitely trying. Like it wasn't like, oh, this song sounds like the last. Like, wow, they did something different here. And then, and the musicianship is excellent. <laughs> it's like, anyways. Yeah, no, it, that's the thing that like we were we were talking about before because there was a there was a reviewer uh, from the Rolling Stone that gave CKY's uh, uh, 2005 album. She gave it 0.5 out of five, <laughs> and then and <laughs> it's like I don't know how you could be like a failing mark on an album that is technically sounding good. No. Well, she- you know what, you know what my question is, how do you get a job as a critic of anything? Like, how do you get that at the beginning? I think you just do it. Like, I want to know how you get that because there's no qualifications for it. It's not like you go to school for it No. or this or that. You just get it. And then someone's like, Oh yeah, it's fucking Roger Ebert. He fucking knows about movies. Like, <laughs> fuck off. Like, I, like, like what a gig, you know, the, if you can get it. Great. Good for you. There's a theater reviewer in town that, uh, he's the only theater reviewer in mm. Alberta and he keeps his job by giving everything four out of five stars, <laughs> but giving absolutely no criticism whatsoever. And the only time he's yeah. ever written anything about me, he said, and I quote, Spencer Strykert was dashing. And I was like, that's not a word I would usually use to describe myself, first of all. But second of all, that's what you took out of that fucking play? I was dashing? <laughs> Like what the fuck? Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a lot of buzzwords, and uh, I think they use quite a bit to be a reviewer. I, I, I don't think he knows who you are based on that review. Okay, so we already else. talked about the the culture at the time. You know, it was it was post hair metal and pre grunge when this album. Farted. He said, maybe he thinks you're somebody else. Oh, God. Yeah, no, he probably does. He probably confused me with Joel David Taylor. He's actually dashing. Maybe that's why he said Joel David Taylor was so funny. Maybe that was it. He got us confused. Uh, Okay. Uh, (laughs) uh, So now we're going to get into the criticism of the album. Um, So my my personal criticism, uh, and it's not a big one, but in the last half of the album, it felt like the songs were too long. Mm. Yeah. specifically of course felt too long and i know it wasn't even the longest song on the on that half but then at one point in that song there's just a moroccan flute that starts playing and i'm like is this a lidka like what is this like what is happening in this album right now um i touched i touched on my criticism a little bit earlier just about his his voice not not being not being my favorite like i said it's it's a decent sounding voice for rock and roll but i can't say it's like anything that that blows you away. Um, do you have any criticisms for us? If you were to pick anything out? Um, I, I honestly usually stop at, right uh, before, of course, honestly. Sometimes I just let it play too and stuff, but I don't think that the songs are too, like you're talking about three days and she was and stuff, but um, I like there's, there's times like when you want a long song, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's times like when I'm driving and I'm like, yeah, I really want to hear that song. You put it in a mix or like a, a playlist or something. So I like a lot of those longer songs 
But to me, this album is filled with a bunch of songs that like I I can listen to the whole album, but it's filled with a bunch of songs that I like put in playlists where I'm like, yeah, that's where that song's going to go or that's where that one's going to go when I'm, you know, or I need that song right now. Because there's there's certain songs like I listen to based on like how much time I want to to expire to. Like, um, I remember I did a flight from like Seattle to Portland. I don't know if you've ever done that flight and it's like 32 minutes nice. long or something. And I remember I tweeted out that I only had to listen to Frank Ocean's Pyramids three and a half times. So, you know, that's how I do it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so, so I like, but, uh, but, um, which Frank Ocean, I love that guy. See, this is a very diverse, uh, diverse uh, music selection for me. But, um, but yeah, I, 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 I might have the same criticism you do, uh, Dashing Striker there, uh, is that, uh, is that yeah I, I i sometimes stop it right after and she was i'm like yeah i'm good we're good with that <laughs> yeah yeah it, it uh it just kind of feels like it's a weird song and like it it doesn't really fit uh, like and i get that the second half is completely different than the first half but it it really doesn't feel like it fits and it's specifically because of the moroccan flute i was like <laughs> what the fuck is this this is very strange um i think it's because now that you told me all about the dead mom stuff i think they were just kind of like hey guys we're going to liven it up here a little bit for you. We have, sorry about all the dead moms. <laughs> we're like, we're gonna, Let's bring in some flute. We're going to give it a little <laughs> bit of this. <laughs> the song is a little bit. Hey. <laughs> you know, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> All right, so we're uh, we're at the end of the podcast where we give a rating of the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, we review it out of ten, but we review based on technical element, musical element, lyrics, album art, reception, and does it hold up? Um, starting with technical element, I mean, Dave Navarro's guitaring, like his his guitar playing ability alone, his guitaring, his guitaring. <laughs> his guitaring uh, I would put it technically a little higher and it is mixed very well. Like yeah. it does sound very well. So I would I would probably give it an eight out of ten on technical personally. I, I was I was feeling eight as well. I think eight is a fair rating for that. Forrest? <laughs> it's where the math gets hard. Yeah, I, I mean I love Dave Navarro. I think he's great. I think that Stephen Perkins, we haven't mentioned him a lot. I think he's a very underrated drummer as far as this this time of drummer and stuff too. Mm-hmm. I mean, live and in studio and stuff, and I think he's great in this album. So, we're doing this out of ten. You're saying, yeah, technical, 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 yeah, whatever. I'm gonna say nine out of ten. Nine I, out I think of it's 10? great. I think they're great musicians. All yeah. right, so we're at an eight point six six out of ten right now. <laughs> Musical element. Uh, I, I we kind of touched on it with technical, but I would I would put it up pretty high because of uh, like musically where it's at. Mm-hmm. I'd probably say. I'd probably go the same. I'd do eight out of ten uh, musically. Yeah, I I think the way it, the album, like you said, it's different on both sides, but they bring in a lot of stuff, a lot of different sounds you wouldn't expect from this style of music, and I think they kind of keep you on your toes with that. I'll go on a nine. Nine. I'll go on a nine on it. Yeah, I'm gonna go nine, nine point five. I mean, I've seen them live too, and they 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 nail it live too. They're just good musicians, you know. And um, even Perry Farrell with that voice manages to make it work somehow, you know? Nice. So that's right, not so to be trifled with. You had a voice, you know, to make it work. We're at a we're at a 9 out of 10 right now. Nice. Uh, all right. So uh, lyrics, um, you know, I had to uh, I had to read a lot of the lyrics on on uh, like the, the music genius because there was a lot that I, I 
couldn't understand, yeah. which I felt really dumb about, but it was kind of like our criticism last week with Bon Iver, where I was like, even when I couldn't understand some of the lyrics, it didn't matter as much. Like if I couldn't hear it clearly, yeah. uh, it was, it, the emotion was getting through the song. You know, I could, I could understand what they were doing. And I think written reading the lyrics, I, I thought that they were very well written lyrics. So I would probably go, I'd say seven and a half out of 10. Yeah. I'll go seven on it. Seven. Hmm. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite lyrics is on nothing shocking, but um, if you need a friend, ask any animal, you know, it's on summertime rolls, but, <laughs> but uh, I just think I like the lyrics. I like, that's why I think Perry Farrell's charm has always been is like, just kind of like there, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go eight. I like eight. I'm going to go eight. Eight. All right, so so right now we're at about an eight out of ten, I you're, believe. You're doing good math. Right I'm, now, I'm so doing so pretty I'm quick math. I'm impressed. Usually it's just the two of us. Now there's three. Now there's three. That's an I'm, extra. I'm, I think letting his math slide. I think it's like yeah, sure, whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, album art. Uh, I think the uh, the the dirty album art yeah. version is super cool and super original. It's like unique, I, yeah. I I really like it. Uh, I think it's it's recognizable now that I know who it is, mm-hmm. but I remember seeing that album art in record stores before, before I was like actively paying attention to Jane's addiction. Right. So I would, I would probably give the album art a nine out of 10. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I also thought it was pretty unique and it's uh eye catching, especially the tits and the dicks um, all really in the bushes, all really, you know, <laughs> set the tone, set the tone. I'll go, I'll go an eight on it. Yeah, I think the album art's awesome. I'm going nine. I I didn't even know about the 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 Bill of Rights, what is First Amendment you said or something. And there was also I remember seeing it. I had the CD. I remember the inserts and stuff are really cool. They had some other cool stuff in there as well. Um, I'm going nine. Say nine. nine. All right. So so we're at an eight and a half out of ten right now. Mm-hmm. Uh reception i mean it was very well received yeah. i mean we kind of you know it's two times platinum so we kind of got to go high with it i'd say nine yeah I'll, I'll go with nine as well nine uh forest <laughs> i say 9.5 because i was living it i was living it. <laughs> yeah, you were there that's fair, that's, yeah, 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 that's fair. That's you fair. were you were living you were a part there. of the reason that this album got as big as it radio. did i heard on the radio <laughs> <laughs> Not lies on the chart. All right, so so we're at um, nine point two five. No, what are we at? Eight point five. Eight point five. Eight point five. We're close. Does it hold up? I'd say yeah. I say absolutely it holds yeah. up. I'd say it holds up. All right. Eight point two five out of ten. Eight point, Definitely. Eight, I mean, eight, like eight I said, five. I I say nine, nine, nine. I saw it with some youngins. And they liked it. Mm. <laughs> all right just just for you coming on the podcast we'll give it a nine out of yeah, 10 yeah we're giving it a nine out of F- 10 fuck all that shit we just said yeah. for, forest review stands it's a nine out of 10 it's a nine out of 10 yeah. all right uh forest yeah, uh where can we find you online and where are you at next well i'm at forest forestshaw.net that's with two r's forestshaw.net and i have a schedule on there i don't know when this comes out when does this come out uh this is going to be out on tuesday this Tuesday? Yep. You bet. Well, I'll, I'll be in Las Vegas. I'm here now. I'll be at the, the Comedy Cellar in Las Vegas until Sunday. So come on out if you're in Las Vegas. Uh, and then after that, I'm a bunch of places. If you go to forestshaw.net, my schedule's on there. And listen to the ID Cat podcast. I don't know about that podcast with Jim Jeffries. 
and also the Merman podcast, which I am on with Dave Williamson, another funny comedian. And uh, yeah, I think that's enough stuff to promote right now. Yeah, specifically, people should go and listen to the uh, to the rodeo episode of uh, ID Cat podcast. Uh, I don't know why, but I just think that's a good yeah, idea yeah. for people to go to listen to that mm-hmm. one. Very dashing man on that episode. There's yeah. a very dashing man. <laughs> it's been publicated that I am a dashing. There you man. go. Uh, uh, oh, one thing I guess I have. To, I forgot to fucking talk about this off the top. Uh, it's official now. Uh, next weekend in Lethbridge. Uh, come on out because on Friday night we're filming something for the CBC. So Woo-hoo! that's my only date. That's the only date I got to plug. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on for us. Yes, thank you for yeah, us. Super appreciate fun. it. Uh, and thank you all so much for listening. Thanks for Have a great day. Anal contusions. Thank you for listening to this episode of Misfits on Vinyl, hosted by Spencer Streichert and me, Aaron Walsh, and of course produced by Sam Sam the Tech Man, Sam Lindsay. If you like us, please rate us, subscribe to us, share us. Our socials are Misfits on Vinyl Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to send us an email with any suggestions or criticisms, uh, we love that shit, so send it away. It's Misfits on Vinyl at gmail.com. We love you guys. Thank you.